Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Happy Tuesday. And you know what Tuesday means. It's time for another episode of Lacrosse Classified. Lax Class is officially in session. Episode 69 coming at you. Here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network, thanks for joining us once again. My name is Jake Elliott. I am in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia on a very rainy Monday evening. My podcast partner is now officially on some sort of road. I'm not sure he's on the highway quite yet, but he's in Saskatoon making his way to Edmonton, I believe. Evan Schemenauer, welcome back. Episode 69 of Lax Class. And we got ourselves a good one here today as we will talk to Wes Burke of the San Diego Seals. And we will talk to Joe Nardella of the New England Black Wolves. Two good conversations to come. And, of course, we'll have who you had. We will have under review, quick sticks, and who you got all on the program coming up. Welcome back to the podcast, Evan. How are you? Drive safely, please. Well, I'm in the passenger seat, so I'm okay. Ride but, safely, uh, then, please. Yeah. So, to, uh, no, off to Edmonton. This is the unfortunate thing. You got to get your Nexus approval in Saskatchewan. You have to go to Edmonton or Calgary or Winnipeg to get it. So, you got a little bit of a drive to do. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, uh, I have my Nexus, so I don't have to worry about that. And actually, the Saskatoon airport just got uh, a Nexus line. I want to say couple of months ago so um good thing you're going to get that it pays itself off in no time it's a really good thing to have if you can get it um Westberg, joe nardella coming up but let's uh, let's get into who we had right off the top here evan no time for chit chat because we had eight games going in week 14 of the national lacrosse league a massive slate week 14 and it was a lot of fun. We both went 5-3, and three, Evan, so we remain tied in the standings. We'll get you the winner coming up here as well. But uh, we got to let you know that who we had is brought to you by Stampede Tack, and it was just country night there at the Warriors game. Uh, our buddy Paul Horn tweeting a picture, our buddy Stu Jobs tweeting a picture of their cowboy hats that they won on who you got at the Warriors game, showing off their lids, uh, having a great time there. Wasn't so great for the Warriors, which we will discuss here momentarily. But whether you're in Warrior Country, Rush Nation, over there in the Nest in Thunderbird territory, Stampede Tack and Western Wear has boots for you. They have the hats. We know that. But they also got the boots, Evan, for the winter weather. Keep your feet dry and warm from Stampede Tack. Shop online, stampede.ca. Or check him out in Cloverdale. Um, Evan, where do, we, where do we begin? I guess we begin on Friday night. Well, maybe uh, we begin with telling Tyson Geik he's got to get his butt down to Sam Pete oh Dak. Because I don't know what it was he was wearing yeah, there. But it looked like something out of like fear and loathing in Las Vegas or something. like. Anyways, let's move along here. We have a massive 
docket to discuss here, Evan. N- New England, starting off the week against the New York Riptide. And we're both taking the Black Wolves in this one. We both get it right. 12-8, Black Wolves over the Riptide. Uh, we both start the week 1-0 on a Friday night. And a game that wasn't actually as lopsided as it sounds because New York had a 5-2 lead in this. And I think everybody was scratching their heads. And was, you know, like the big game's tomorrow night, and here, and here we go. And with Goa Abrams in the net. Mm. But, you know, he actually did reasonably well. Uh, unfortunately, New York, when they were up 5-2, let in the next six, and that took the wheels off it. But... The one difference really with New England was when they started to get things going, New York was going to double Callum Crawford all night. It finally got to the point where they could go to Joey Rez and they could go to Riley O'Connor and get the ball through other sticks to get it in the back of the net, and it started to work. Yeah, six points for O'Connor, uh, five for Q. Reza Terrett's chipping in with six as well and, and led by Crawford with eight. So that's the recipe there. A shout-out to Steph LeBlanc, who went down, got his 800th point in the National Lacrosse League, went down with an injury. And can we now start to bring one Douglas J. Jameson into the conversation here, Evan, for goaltender of the year. He's topped the table as far as the numbers go and had another good weekend for the Black Wolves to Doug Jameson. He's top three consideration. I don't know if I go to number one yet, but He's definitely top three. I brought him into the conversation. You need to start listening, Evan. I said brought, bring him into the conversation to start talking about goaltender. He's been real impressive for the Black Wolves as they get it done in New York, 12-8 the final there. New York has to get right back in the saddle here, Evan, as they make the trip to Rochester, New York. They go from Long Island to Rochester, and this game – was looking like it was over, like Rochester was going to cruise to victory. And then all of a sudden, New York wakes up and storms back. This thing ends in a one-goal lead. They outscore Rochester 6-1 in the fourth quarter, but they end up losing by just a single goal, 13-12. to Now, let me state my piece on this first. The one thing the NLL really has to do so we can stop watching this game the way that an- – a number of people did, which was get a draft lottery in place, please, so that we don't have to worry about, you know, how is this game going to play out? But, you know, good on it that it was, you know, both teams went at it, the 13-12. Holden Katoni had to pick up this pace because there was no Sean Evans there. He had four goals. Uh, you know, Dan Lomas, who we had on the program, what, about a month ago with an eight-point night? Huge night for friend of the program, Dan Lomas. Shout-out to regular contributor on a National Lacrosse League team, Dan Lomas. But, yeah, let's get that draft lottery down so that we don't have to worry about anything anymore, please. Well, honestly, I yeah, I mean, I don't think it's the worst idea, but when it comes to, to things like that, Evan, I'm not – I'm not worried about it when it comes to lacrosse players. And, and every time that those guys step out on the floor, they are playing to win. I don't I don't buy into it that those guys are, are looking ahead to a draft pick and, and don't want to win a game that they're involved. These guys have way too much integrity and pride and competitiveness and all the rest of it to even have that thought entertained in their brain whatsoever. So 
I don't think draft lottery is a bad idea, but I'm also not worried about it if we don't have it. Halifax at Buffalo, and it was Tucker out, lymphoma night. Beautiful jerseys on both teams. The Bandits and the Thunderbirds doing it right. They're in Bandit land, and Evan, you picked Halifax in this game. I cannot believe you picked Halifax in this game on Tucker out, lymphoma night. There was never any doubt that the Bandits were going to win this game. 13-9, your final in front of a huge crowd there at Key Bank. Bandits looking good at home. They win by four. Now, the one thing is they had, of course, this trade midweek with Rochester, and that starts to bring out the question, how long is Dane Smith gone for? Because if they're pulling the trigger to get some offense, that leads you to think that it might be longer than we think. But they still got the production done. Let's be honest here. Halifax, slow out of the gate. They were down 6 nothing, 7-1, awfully fast. And they just never could come back. And that's the thing. With Warren Hill, yes, he's you know he's a great developing into a great goaltender, but he's still developing. Uh, you know, and Frank Dubinsky, good on him for stepping up and in relief and putting on a decent performance. I think you said Frank Dubinsky. That's his dad. Pete oh Dubinsky my God. is the goaltender. Pete Dubinsky, what am I doing? <laughs> well, oh, at least my he's, God. At least he... <laughs> <laughs> At least he got it was in the family. Okay, error of the year already. Yeah, Here we go. <laughs> you, got, uh, you got you got the family member right. At least uh, Matt Vince gets oh the heavyweight God. belt there, and uh, just a a ton of money raised uh, for the Williams family and and lacrosse re- or cancer research, I should say. Tucker out lymphoma night, one of the biggest nights of the year there in Buffalo, and uh, they always do it right. Shout out to Scott Loeffler and uh, and company there for for putting that night on. Toronto, we were both at this game, Evan. Toronto at Saskatchewan, and and the Rock kind of come in like a wounded dog here, Evan. No Schreiber, no Dawson, no Adam Jones, no uh, Brock Sorensen, no Latrell Harris. What do they do? They come in, they hold the rush who are coming off a 15-goal performance against Philly to just eight goals. It was 6-2 rush at halftime. It was 7-2 rock in the second half, and they win this thing 9-8 as they grind. This was a gutty win from the rock. Well, and the, the concern's got to be there with Saskatchewan and the fact that they've played four home games. They've yet to get the 10 goals in any of them. They're 1-3, and, and they managed to beat the Mammoth with under 10 the one game. Mm-hmm. Here's the key that Toronto changed in the second half, and that was as much as Saskatchewan was trying to get the ball to the middle, and that was probably the right game plan, Toronto had a stick on them almost every single time. The other mistake that Saskatchewan made, let's be straight with it, there's a weak spot on Nick Rose, and it's low. It's typically five-hole. And where did Saskatchewan shoot every shot? They were trying to go over his shoulder. So I don't know why they made that adjustment. They did. Um, when you hold an opponent under 10, you got to expect it. You know, Rob Hellier was trying to put that team on his back. I can understand why. And, you know, he had a heck of a performance. But He only had uh, one goal. Yeah, but the end, it's Scott Dominey really made a difference. Like, yeah. how, oh, he had, what, five clear breaks. He must have had at least five. He is so fast. I did not realize how fast he was until I saw him in person. But, um, you know, Johnny Palace had a beauty. Uh, he had two goals in that game. Reed Reinhold kind of came out of nowhere and put three up, including a couple of dunks. So 
they got they got they were running Saskatchewan really hard and and they outshot him too. Like I just think it was an off night for guys like Matthews and McIntosh. They just didn't really have their best effort. And and you're right. Like I I do think it's I know it's a concern for them that they're they're hitting eight nine ten goals and they're not putting in twelve thirteen like they're normally accustomed to and. It's been a work in progress. I think the D's fine. Evan Kirk has maybe been one of the best goaltenders in the league as well, uh, the way he's going right now. So I, I think for them to be successful right now, they need production and transition, and they didn't get anything in that department either. So it ends up a, a 9-8 Toronto Rock victory. We both got that game wrong, Evan. And uh, I like I don't want to take anything away from, from Saskatchewan, but I think Toronto just played better. Well, they played determined on defense in that second half, and that was that was the key difference. That Saskatchewan just didn't have much of any chance to get anything on Rose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another one goal game in the National Lacrosse League came after that when the Philadelphia Wings make the trip into Mile High to take on the Denver. Excuse me, to take on the Colorado Mammoth in Denver. And we both took the Mammoth in this one. The Mammoth were kind of cruising along. All of a sudden, the, the Wings made a push, but they come up a goal short as well. 11-10, Woolies get it done. They get it done, and they come back uh, with an early first-half deficit just to absolutely pour it on uh, early in the second half. You know, once again, here's another team that makes a deal. They go get Digby. Digby starts to get dirty down low, which is what they needed, getting guys open, and it worked well. So good on Colorado. To the key for Colorado, if they can score more than 10, they're probably going to win. Yeah, three for five on the power play. They were tied at four at halftime. They storm out. They go 5-1 in the third quarter and then kind of hung on in the fourth. But they get that much-needed win over a good Philadelphia Wings team. So that was a that was a quality win there for Pat Coyle. And company, and we both picked them to get it done on their home floor. It's exactly what happened. Three more games to go in Week 14 action, and this might have been the game of the week here, Evan. It it involves some well, it involves something that we just discussed on Lacrosse Classified. Was it last week or the week before about the virtual goal line? Two weeks ago, yeah. yeah. So. A lot of Roughneck fans upset here, not only with that, but what they felt was a missed call on, on Curtis Dixon at the end of that game as well. But San Diego squeaking one out over the Roughnecks. Dobie scoring seven in a losing effort. 13-12 seals as Austin Stotts with five for San Diego. Yeah, I mean, I'm certain that Mr. Levin has had the debrief with the referees as to the the no call at the end of the game, that was a pretty clear penalty. Would have got the Roughnecks the win, maybe not. Like I mean, they still had, would have had to have potted one within eight seconds, and then also won in overtime. Let's go back to the one though with thirty seconds left. A lot of Roughneck fans upset, but also some of them giving us credit for teaching them the rule mm. that that they now understood it. So here's the situation, and for those that didn't see it, is that. Calgary's got the ball down one 30 seconds to go, and Tyler Pace shoots. Frankie Shiliano is off balance. He pushes the net sideways. The ball goes into the net, and when they go to the review, what's very clear is that where the posts are, there's the two magnets are very close to the goal line. You can tell where the net was supposed to be. 
and uh, basically what happens is is that the ball was about two or three inches wide of the post at the point that it would have caught across the virtual goal line. Now I get the frustration that you know both Dane Doby and Curtis Dixon uh, showed here. Uh, you know they what are they supposed to do? They're looking at a virtual net. And, you know, they're shooting at what they think is the net. You know, there's, there's nothing else they can, they can do about it. It's, uh, it is what it is. It's unfortunate. And, but the rule was applied correctly on the review. Yeah. And, and I saw, I saw big Reese Callies on, on the way home from, from Calgary as I, I stopped through Calgary on my way home back to Abbotsford and, and, you know, I said, ah, but tough call. He goes, well, you know what? Now that I know what the rule is, he goes, it, it is what it is. Like it, you know, it, the ball got shot in the wrong spot. And <laughs> there's nothing really you can do about it. And I was going to talk about this in quick sticks later, but just like, I, I, and I honestly, I need to like probably just stay away from the fan forums and the group discussions and the, all the stuff on Facebook. Cause I just, it's, it takes everything in my power to not, just start responding to people to give their heads a shake, like about some of the things that they say towards certain people or, and they're just clueless, like absolutely clueless, uninformed, uneducated morons. And I, I, like, I'm not going to sit here and name names, but I just, I don't know. I saw some just absurd comments on, Mm -hmm. on, on these group discussions. And I just think to myself, like if you only had a clue, would you still, say things like that and and listen refereeing is one of the most difficult jobs to do and to do it at a pro level at the speed that that game is happening and i i've talked to to brian about what it takes to become a national cross league referee and we're actually going to get one on the show in in short order and, and talk about kind of what the path is to get to that level but these guys are so scrutinized. They're tested time and time and time again. They have to know that rule book inside and out to get assignments. And these guys are the best in the business at what they do. There's nobody out there that's better. Okay. And certainly it's not mm-hmm. the people that are making these comments. So start to give yeah. these guys a, a bit of a I know like people are human and you're going to miss stuff and things are going to get caught it's part of sports it's part of life like get over yourself right and, and here's the other thing that I've bet you I had about five or six comments the exact same thing is well why wasn't the play stopped why didn't Calgary get another possession the rule is actually specific on this one that if there's an imminent scoring chance which there is in this case the play continues and the ball. So that is the correct call. Yeah, I know to pluck, it's tough. They're trying to pluck certain rules that would help try to justify their call. And they're not like, they're just grasping at straws. Anyways, let's move on. Just give the zebras a little more respect for the job that they do, because I guarantee you that you, if you tried to do their job, you would be booed right out of the building and into some sort of uh, witness protection program because it's not an easy job to do. It's just not. And if it was, there'd be more guys out there doing it that were qualified at that level, and there's just not right now. So that's a, that's a major concern. Two more games well, to go. I mean, I'm all worked up here on who we had, so- Evan. 
Yeah, we uh, we had another referee go down this week. Yeah. So, I mean, we're short another ref for a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that uh, Fowler got kind of rolled up on a little, uh, little MCL sprain. It looks like it did not look good, but he was uh, at the hotel after, had a quick chat, and was in pretty good spirits. And I don't think it's anything too, too serious, but uh, definitely looked to be painful. But he'll be on the shelf for a couple weeks, I would imagine. All right. Country night in Vancouver, and Evan, I again, I don't want to strain my elbow patting ourselves on the back here, but uh, 8,200 announced at Rogers Arena, and I think in large part to, to the listeners here in Lacrosse Classified, taking our advice and heading down to Country Night at, at the Rodge. No, the crowds just keep looking better and better. It's, it's unfortunately the result didn't come with it, but... Well, the, uh, the, the but the crowd's looking spectacular. Now. Yeah, they, I mean, uh, whatever that the Warriors and Connect Sports and Entertainment, including advertising and sponsoring here on on Lacrosse Classified, clearly is working. And you're right; it's a little disappointing to to kind of walk out of there. Uh, but you know, by all accounts, in watching this and kind of watching the crowd during the game, they were having a heck of a time on Country Night. But Georgia storms out of the gates here and starting to, to kind of look like the Georgia that everybody thought at the beginning of the season. 6-1 in the first quarter, and then it was just a bit of a chess match the rest of the way. 14-7 football score here. Swarm beat the Warriors. I picked Vancouver. You picked Georgia. So, yes, I and, did. And we both had uh, <laughs> New England on the Sunday, so... We finish off five and three, but uh, you five get and three. You get this one right. I get it wrong. I'll, I'll tell you, if I had picked one more correctly, I would have been this week's winner because I had the tie breaks all correct. Oh well, you didn't though, did you, Evan? No, I no, didn't. So you know, this is. Uh, I, I hate to break it to you, but week six winner uh, to never have won. Uh, that's you got to you got to get you got to get it right, man. You you don't win by by going what if or if I only. Yeah, and the key to Vancouver once again stay out of the penalty box. Mm. You know, six for seven uh, on the power when, play for when they were when they were winning, they were staying out of the penalty box. Yeah. Two, four penalty minutes a game. Now all of a sudden it's six, you know it's back to yeah. six yeah. for seven on the PP. You're not going to win that game. Outshot sixty-two to forty-four. So and it and it listen it doesn't get any easier this week for Vancouver we both know that as the Warriors are going to make the trip to Saskatchewan and you know how hungry the Rush are going to be to get a win for their home fans after letting that one get away what they have to consider a missed opportunity against Toronto so it's it's going to be tough but 14-7 the final there for Georgia as uh, they're starting to pick it up a little bit Stotts with a big one in that game and a uh, great crowd on hand at Rogers Arena. So I'd love to see that. One more game to go, Evan. And it was on the Sunday at the casino. Black Wolves, money, pardon the, money in the bank when it comes to playing at Sunday at the casino. This no exception. 16-10. Black Wolves go 2-0 and on the weekend as they beat Halifax, who go 0-2. And oddly enough, our listeners did not take our advice on this game. I think it was what seventy percent of people had taken Halifax to win. Well, wow. so they did not take our advice. Um, the, the travel here is not easy. It's a seven-hour bus ride after playing the game. In but you know Buffalo. what they do, Evan? They drive halfway and then they stay in a, a motel and then they drive the other half in the morning. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that's a benefit or not. Now, of course. Pete Davinsky gets his first career start, 
didn't go the way he wanted. Yeah, a little you know, surprised to see that, too. Like, I thought a Kersey would have went back to Warren Hill there. He's He's been your guy all year long. Mm-hmm. And nothing against Dubinsky, but I, just, I don't know. I go back to Hill in that game, and that's that's obviously quarterback, uh, armchair quarterback here. But anyways. And the, the matchup we were looking forward to between uh, Hossack and Crawford, mm. well, Crawford had eight points, five goals. I mean, obviously – you know, it the matchup just did not work out all that well. Yeah, he was he was sniping from the outside in that game. Um, another eight points for Crawford. Uh, Cody Jamison with maybe the goal of the week with that toe drag, spinorama, shoveler like that thing was was filthy. Uh, he got six points, but well, uh, New or and that's an interesting story in itself in that. He's been suspended for one game for mm. gross misconduct yeah. from the week before, and he decided to appeal at the last second. He got to play both games. Halifax loses both, and there's a good chance they're going to miss him at some point unless this appeal gets overturned. Yeah, you wonder whether they would have rather have taken one of those games if you're going to lose it anyway and keep Joe Jameson out of the lineup, and he's still going to have to serve that game, but a little... Uh... Little email faux pas, I suppose you could say. So I, it's it's all legit. Like I'm not worried about that. It's just kind of a one of a weird situation. So that rounds out the week 14, Evan, and five and three. We both go five and three. Our overall record now stands at as I try and find my piece of paper. We are 43 and 28. Very respectable after 14 weeks of action. I would say 43 and 28. Dead even through 14 weeks of action. And uh, I get the host again, which makes gives me the advantage of finally getting past a year. I don't know. But we didn't announce this. No, we have yet, not announced we? our winner. Speaking of who you got, I don't know why I have to continue to do this, but I, I'm still running into people who I know are dedicated listeners of the podcast and have yet to sign up and play who you got. Now, remember, you got to go through a little if you – you got to go through a little bit of work to do it for the first time. But once you are once you are signed up, you will get the email every single week with the link to the latest bracket. So it's simple. You just got to take the two minutes at first, get your Gmail account, sign up, and then it's done. But I, get off the fence here. Like, I don't know what you're waiting for. Just sign up, and it makes the games that much more entertaining and fun to watch when you got a little something riding on it. <laughs> well, as our friend Violet, she was actually one of the last four still alive, and she had an interesting situation where she needed Hal- or the New England to win, but Halifax to score at least 15. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, now you're... you're you're, all you're hoping for is the ball to keep going in the back. Right, right you're cheering for you're cheering for goals instead of a team, really. Uh, so that that kind of it's an added wrinkle. But we got a couple of new people signed up over the last uh, week. At least I know I did, Evan, as I continue to to preach the gospel here on Stampy Tax. Uh, who you got? We'll get to that later on in the program. Uh, but our winner this week of Week 14, break it down here, Evan. This was quite the scenario. For my buddy Roop Yokola from Team Finland, former of the Langley Thunder as well. Roop Yokola, Evan, that's my best Finnish accent right there. Winning week 14 of who you got. Uh, I don't know how we're going to get this thing to Roop because uh, (laughs) I think he's in Finland, but maybe we can get it to like Yoki Miller and and he can take it home. 
we'll see how it works. But yeah, crazy thing. He went six and two, as did I believe four or five other people. That was the like the, nobody went seven and one or eight and zero oh this time. And both he and the other one other guy had the same tiebreaker, and or sorry, two other guys had the same tiebreaker on the first one, and it came down to top goal scorer. One had Dane Doby with seven goals, no assists, seven points. One had Callum Crawford, who put up two eight-goal performances. and Eight-point performances. Eight points, yeah. And Roop had Randy Sots, nine points against the Warriors. Well, there you go. Tiebreakers matter, people. So put some thought into it when, when you're making and picking those tiebreakers. Congratulations to Roop. And uh, we got another weekly prize coming up a little later in the program. Before we get to break here, Evan, we want to get under review in in the first quarter. And Christian Del Bianco, Del Bianco, Evan, uh, tweeting out about how he, and this is something I've never understood either, so I'm kind of glad he did it, and especially coming from one of the best goalies on the planet, it has a little more of an impact than broadcaster Joe. Yeah, hashtag (laughs) goalie. So Delb's tweeting out that he's never quite understood why they continue to allow these big wooden goal sticks in, in summer lacrosse, not only for senior goalies, but minor goalies as well, and then be able to make the adjustment when it comes to the National Cross League. So we're going to talk about this right after this, but now it's time to go under review. It's time for Under Review, presented by G. Wilson Construction. Each week, Jake and Evan answer a listener's question or break down an unusual call that happened in a game. The challenge flag has been thrown, so now it's time to take the matter under review. Under review, brought to you by G. Wilson Construction. And uh, this is... I think this is a discussion that needs to happen here, Evan. I've been saying it once. Like, we've talked about having a unified set of rules. And for me, the, the wooden goal stick, I love tradition, and I'm all about the history and the woodies and all that. Like, I, I don't think we need to forget about that. But the rest of the game has kind of moved on, except for the goalie stick. This, these things are massive. And to go from... Being able to use one of these and plant that thing in between your legs to going to the National Lacrosse League and having this tiny little field stick and having to make that adjustment, it's so difficult for so many guys. And I can go down the list of guys that just were never able to make the adjustment. This this is something that needs to change. Well, and we're going to have the CLA new CLA president on sometime soon with the program. Yes, and that is one of the questions: is when are we going to get a unified rule book? When are these sticks going to get out of the game? And I, I look at it from the perspective of training these goaltenders because a lot of these goaltenders are going straight from junior to the NLL. And what exposure do they have to the field stick? None. Now, it's, And it's not only just the size, but it's also the weight. If you think about this, Aaron Bold for years, when he played uh, He would just ball, keep, keep using it. He, no, he wouldn't use the field stick, but he would use a plastic uh, CLA dimension stick. Yeah, but the he wall didn't or whatever lose the they touch call it. The wall. of the weight of the stick. Yeah. 
and the, I mean, there is no five hole with these CLA sticks, and there's no point to like. I, I look at this. We talked about Lane Ruska, right? And to see a young goaltender like this, my first question was, what's going to happen when he gets that smaller stick in there? How is he going to react? Because, like you said, we've seen it for way too many guys by now. Yeah, and that is. They do not know how to use this stick. Or it takes them like two or three years. Like I think of Eric Penny. It took Eric Penny a long time to make that adjustment. Brody McDonald never was able to make that adjustment. That like that. That's the difference of of a guy that was you know Frankie Shiliano. I think really struggles with the field stick between his legs at times. So and but if, uh, he had, but if he had that for the last ten years, sure, is it such a struggle? Exactly, because he would be Either used that, to that. There'd be know, no, there no switching you back know and forth. You when you're the guy. Yeah, absolutely. You know what you're getting, right? Like I didn't know. Yeah, that's the thing. Cam Dunkerley, like, like how was he going to react? And he's been way better than I thought he would like. But here's this tiny little goaltender, and I'm thinking, oh man, you take the Woody out of his hands, he's going. But he's been okay. But that not everybody. And then you add to it, like those wooden goal sticks, Evan, they're like four hundred bucks. So now you're asking parents to buy a wooden stick, have a field stick, all these different. And then you got the net problem too about. NLL nets bigger than Three summer ball, ball. and then and then yeah. when you get to minor lacrosse, the nets are even smaller. So I, I don't know. Like I just think the goalie position has kind of been left behind as far as the rules are are concerned and how the game has advanced. And well, nobody's paying attention to the goalies, Evan. Well, and here's the thing: is that when you look at the top NLL goaltenders, and I think the exception here might be Nick Rose, is that. The NLL goaltenders are mobile, flexible. They get have to get into different positions because they don't have the five-hole covered. they got three extra inches to cover. You can't be just big and blocking the net and covering your angles like you do in summer ball or CLA. No. That's why we need this unified rule book so that guys are used to this. And because if, yeah. and Nick Rose is the exception to the rule. But there's been way too many big goaltenders that just have not made it in the NLL. Yeah, they can't then, make the adjustment. Then you gotta then you gotta work on your angles and your reaction and and all the rest of it. And and listen, like the like as long as you allow these guys to use a wooden goal stick, they're gonna use it because it's a massive advantage. Like there, like I would use it too if I was a goalie, even if it was more difficult to switch back and forth. You you ride it out for the season, and then you make that adjustment. Anyways, I I just I would like to see. Again, and it all starts with having a unified set of rules and include the goalie sticks and the equipment. When when we make this switch, everything gets transferred over to National Lacrosse League rules, and we go on. I don't know why this is so difficult for people to wrap their head around. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, if it's Pee Wee or if it's novice, yeah, we're gonna we're not gonna have a four by nine now sure. for those ages. Okay, we're so not there, we're not animals, but but Junior A. Senior A should be playing NLL rules because let's be honest, if if you're playing the same rules, the, you're going to have more guys wanting to play to get used to playing in the NLL. Absolutely, uh, that's what they're doing down with USA Boxla and on all those leagues down there. They're using NLL rules. The referees are refereeing with NLL. That's the part of the other problem is that referees can't make the jump to the National Lacrosse League because they get no formal training with using national lacrosse league rules and, and when it comes time, they don't know. And then, and then they make the wrong call. So 
A lot of things need to change, and it's going to take a bunch of people high up to make it happen. But I, I hope, I hope it does. It's it's high time. That was a massive opening quarter there, Evan. We got to get to break, and when we return, pure Vital Labs athlete, member of the San Diego Seals. And a kid from my hometown of Coquitlam, British Columbia, Wesley Berg, is back on the program. You got it right here on episode 69 of Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Hey, this is Dan Lomas from the New York Riptide. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box across. Welcome back to Lax Class Lacrosse Fans. Episode 69 is in progress. Quick giggling over there, Evan. Uh, we want to welcome our next guest back to the podcast. Longtime friend of the show and good Coquitlam boy as well. He's actually in Calgary right now, still in Calgary, coming off that eight-point performance in a 13-12 victory for the San Diego Seals. Wesley Berg back on the program. Wes, how are you, my friend? Doing well, Gemma. Thanks for having me on. Hey, my pleasure, our pleasure. Anytime uh, you are welcome on this program. Buddy, uh, in Calgary, still in Calgary, big victory for San Diego over the weekend. You were very instrumental in that game. Some controversy at the end of it as well. Uh, talk me through Saturday night at the Saddle Dome. That had to be a lot of fun, especially coming against your former club yeah yeah it was a it was a crazy game uh definitely excited i know i was the hometown fans the way that that ended probably weren't too happy but um it was a great game nonetheless and um for us on our side that was one we really needed to win so we're happy about it and uh we're excited to, to get that win and, and get back uh back to san diego to play rochester and it seems like this team has been playing desperate lacrosse for the last little while a couple of key wins to get you back in the playoff race. Is that what the key maybe was to the slump that was happening earlier in the season that the, that hunger there to win has finally arrived? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you look at pretty much the last uh, five games where a lot of those games, if you drop two or two in a row or something like that, you know, we would have been mathematically out. We kind of got, uh, set ourselves a little bit back with some loss at the beginning of the year, but we're, we're hitting our stride at the, at the right time here. And our offense is really starting to, to click and get that chemistry going. And, you know, we've got a great, great tandem and net and, and our defense is playing awesome. So it's, it's good to have uh, things going well. I mean, it's tough, but um, we kind of put ourselves into back into the race here and uh, it's a good time. Yeah. I would say Wes, that, you know, probably coinciding with, this kind of turnaround that you guys have had over the last few games has probably coincided with, with 83 returning to the lineup and giving you guys that balance on both sides of the floor. And, and while we're at it, you can comment on Austin Stotts and, and what he's meant to the return. But uh, I don't think we've talked to a seal since Las Vegas went down as well. That's when Austin made his return. So maybe tie it into that, but uh, what a time down there in Sin City and, and tell me what it means to get Audie back. Oh, I mean, he's he is a generational talent. He's a he's a player you don't see very often with that kind of just pure scoring ability. He can do it in in any way. He can beat you from the outside or or um, you know get to the middle off ball with the ball. He can he can basically do anything, and he's got great vision. So to have him back, he brings just a different kind of energy. You know, he he, he loves the game 
so much and he, he's just uh he brings just a different dynamic that you really can't can't replicate with with many players so it's awesome to have him back and um he's, he's really found his groove i know being off that long and, and coming off of a tough injury like he did it's tough to come come back and be yourself you know right off the the first game and he's played really well but i think from what you saw on saturday he's he's really uh gotten comfortable again and gotten back to what what he's used to playing like and he's uh he's a lot of fun to play with and and just to add to that west like i i down in vegas and he makes his return and and i'm kind of looking at his body language and the body language of the team and i just uh, you tell me, there's just a different kind of attitude and swag with the Seals when, when Austin's there. And we, we want to talk to you, but I, I do want to talk about Austin because, like you said, he's a, a generational talent, and now he's added that balance on the floor. But just the whole vibe around that team kind of changed when he returned. Oh, definitely. I mean, just, again, like I talked about with his with his energy and his passion for the game, he kind of – he really lifts guys up. He brings that that fire every game. You know, he's he's pretty vocal too, and in, in, in warmups, and he, he gets you excited to play. You, you love playing with him, and you know, just uh, just his actions on the floor. He he takes the ball to the net, and he plays every shift. You know, pretty cliche, but he does play like it's you know my, his last shift, or he might not get back out there again. So he's he really uh, he really brings that kind of. Um, mantra to it and that swagger that uh, that we've kind of you know we've been missing a little bit at the beginning of the year where we had had some good games but it just seemed like we couldn't uh, couldn't pull out a win and I think a lot of guys have rallied around that and you know we've just just brings that balance uh, back to our team or we got a lot more confidence and uh, and you can see it that we're we're uh, we're starting to be a team that's a force to be reckoned with and again that's a big part of having uh, 83 like I, I see down in San Diego and and granted the crowds aren't there and and what what you would like it to be but I know Steve Gavitt and Josh Gross and, and even the owner Josiah are working so hard to make things happen down there and I saw the big fan fest after the game um, last weekend and and you were a part of that kind of engaging with the fans you're living down in San Diego now Tell me how how things are going with the seals and and the grassroots program that uh, you guys are trying to implement down there in Southern California. Yeah, you know it's uh, it, it's been awesome in in terms of being a part of of, of growing the game down there and, and trying to grow the seals brand. And you know there is uh, there has been some struggles. Obviously, we're, we're we're still working on getting some fans and um, where the where the arena is and kind of the, the demographics of most of the lacrosse players and fans are, are in the North County and. And uh, our arena being, you know, not obviously not owning the arena and it being um, in Point Lomas is it's a bit of a, a struggle right now. But um, it's still it's been a ton of fun being able to go to some of these schools in these areas that have never seen lacrosse and try to try to get young kids playing it and, and try to bring some fans. And so it's it's pretty cool to be part of uh, the growth of a program like this. And, um, you know, it's just so many great people to work with. It's such an such an awesome organization working with Steve and um, Cam holding there and, and obviously working for Joe size is something special. So, you know, there, there's been some ups and downs um, with, you know, Dylan Herrick in our office passing away tragically was, um, it was a huge hit to, to us and, and the community. Um, that was pretty, pretty early that, that happened um, when I started working there. So there's been a, there's been a lot of things that have kind of, uh, that have happened and, and a lot of bad luck on, on certain sides. But um, again, it's, it's their second year and 
there's a lot of um there's a lot of improvement to be to be made on things and there's a lot of great things going on looking forward so um it's 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 really special to be a part of it and you know you can't complain about living down in san diego or you're you're coaching kids in the you know the middle of january at 10 or 10 or 11 in the morning and you're in a t-shirt and shorts and you can go you know enjoy the the beach after her golf and on the weekends and stuff like that so you get you know it's uh it's it is pretty awesome to to be down there and and you know it's uh it's something i i really enjoy doing sorry wes i, I saw actually uh speaking of golf tell me about this now i, I saw you and steve I, I don't know who i can't remember who you're with but tory pines like a storied golf course down there in, in california that that had to be a lot of fun Oh, a ton of fun. Uh, yeah, Jeff Snyder was down there as well. He came to uh, to watch his brother play, which was another, you know, just brutal string of luck with, with him hurting his knee in the, yeah. you know, first, I think, five minutes of the game. So um, it's tough. Bobby's such an awesome guy and such a competitor. You hate seeing an injury like that. Uh, it's part of the game, but it, it's, it sucks seeing a friend uh, go down like that. But yeah, yeah we, you know, we had a, we had a good time. Um, Torrey Pines is pretty cool. If you're, if you live down there, you can actually play it for between 30 and 40 bucks, whereas most people it's about, you know, well over 200. So wow. we're pretty spoiled in that aspect. Yeah. Wow. Um, you got to be a part of the first PLL season. I know we had a lot of fun watching it, all the neat little perspectives we got. Tell us about your PLL, uh, rookie experience. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty interesting. I mean, it's, uh, Definitely a, a bit different than the NLL, where it's a lot of uh, a lot of self-promotion and a lot of um, kind of in-your-face stuff with social media, which um, I think a lot of guys coming from a more Canadian background, a little more, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, maybe a little more modest approach to to the game, and, and that it was it was interesting, but it was a lot of fun. And um, playing on two teams, you meet a lot of people that I'd, I'd known or I'd played against that are that are awesome, uh, awesome players and teammates and uh, n- I never got a chance to play with before. So it was, it was pretty interesting, uh, coming in the first, the first, uh, year with the Chrome, actually our, our coach who ended up, uh, he ended up getting, um, moved in a different position or whatever, but it was a little <laughs> bit a interesting. Nice he actually, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, different, <laughs> They're putting it, putting it kind of nicely, but he actually, I think he thought Jordan McIntosh and I were the same person for a long time, Uh-oh. which was kind of funny, but, you know, not a bad guy to oh, be man. to be mixed up with. He's, uh, yeah, so he's mixing us Canadians up, but yeah. it was, it was pretty funny. So, I mean, it was, it was kind of weird. I, um, you know, didn't really even play much the first two games. And then I guess the, there's a couple of teams trying to trade for me in the beginning and, um, eventually the trade went through. So I ended up playing on the Redwoods and we, had a heck of an exciting championship. It was a bummer to fall, just a goal short. But that was—I know that being on national television was great for the game, and it was it was really exciting. So it was, it was a pretty successful first year, and I know it's growing a ton and uh, expanding a bit, and hopefully hit some markets: uh, Seattle or Vancouver, closer to home, which yeah, would be awesome. Fingers crossed, man. Spread be... it out all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would know yeah. better than us, but uh, hopefully that goes down. Um, Last one here for you, Wesley Berg. Appreciate your time here on Lax Class. Uh, I, I got to be, I got to ask, man. Uh, I'm an adnack. You're an adnack. Uh, you're also a busy guy. What's happening uh, come summertime? Some returnees to to the purple and gold. A new head coach there as well. Is that going to entice Wesley Berg to to suit up for the A's? 
yeah, you know, I, I love being back home in Coquitlam. With the PLL, it's there's uh that's kind of the the priority, right? With with everything, but uh, it'd be great to to get back and I'll for sure get my games in. And I know um, just just with the new management and and dealing with a lot of guys that I I have been uh, over the years with with them being in the junior program and now part of the senior, they're yeah. just a great management group, great people. So it's it's awesome to see to see them and uh, doing the right things and getting some some of the younger players and getting their Quote guys back from the where they've had a ton of success. Uh, so it's exciting. You know, you got a, a good young goalie with, with Christian and as the backbone there. And then you, you know, are able to protect guys like Reed Bowering and some of these, these younger guys with just a ton of talent and athleticism. So it's, it's exciting for, for the future. I know, uh, just growing up and getting to watch the senior Adnax with guys like Josh Sanderson and Colin Doyle and John Grant Jr. is why why we loved it so much and, and ended up playing lacrosse. So it's it's good to see that community um, start to build a, a winner again and uh, and get the that Coquitlam uh, you know community involved again and and uh, produce a winner. So it's definitely exciting and it is tough with all the lacrosse going on and, and work commitments to to be there at every game, but. Um, try to be home and, and be there as much as I can. All right, man. Saturday nights at the Palace. Uh, we should probably get a plug-in for our boy Snoof down at Lacrosse Experts as well. I keep meaning to do that. Uh, I know you, you've had a big impact on that store, and those guys are, are the place to be and the place to go if you need any gear for uh, for your Adnax season coming up. Am I, am I, I'm, that's that's what yeah, it's definitely. about, right? Definitely. You, you take the words, take the words right uh you know, he's. I know this is kind of the the busy season right now for him, and he's got lots of people coming in. But he really is the best. He's strung my sticks up my whole life. Oh, and, well, uh, I think he gives you know, me he the Westberg special when I go in know, there, Wes. He he grab he he takes my <laughs> stick, and I say, "Give me the Westberg," and and uh, it's it's working great for me. So, uh, shout out to lacrosse experts and Wes. Uh, appreciate your time. That was a very candid interview, and uh, we always appreciate that on Lax Class here as well. Good luck, uh, PLL season, WLA, and of course the NLL with your San Diego Seals, and keep up the good work down there in San Diego, man. Right on. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, our pleasure. That was Wesley Berg of the San Diego Seals, and had a great game against the Roughnecks. You know that one had to feel good for the Iceman, Evan, and um, quite the conversation there with with Wes Berg. Oh, I'm just glad he's back in the league. Um, you know, it's never easy going through those type of financial deals, having to sit out an entire year. But you know what? He's got a great situation. you got to be happy for him, and everything's worked out for the best. Good Coquitlam boy right there, Westberg. Thanks for coming on Lacrosse Classified. We'll take a quick break, and on the other side, we're going to talk to somebody we've never had a conversation with before. He's kind of new to the National Lacrosse League as well, also a member of the PLL. It's Joe Nardella on the other side from the New England Black Wolves. You got it on Episode 69 of Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Chris Corville, captain of Team Canada and the Saskatchewan Rush. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. 
Welcome back to Lax Class Lacrosse, classified on the Lax All Stars Podcast Network. You just heard from Associated Labels and Packaging. Evan, I was perusing the website uh, earlier today. They've they've come they've they've got an environmental sustainability team that meets every couple of weeks down there. I don't know any other country or companies that are doing this. They actually have a team dedicated to the environment. So they can continually progress and get their products more recyclable, more environmentally friendly, and they're doing their part there at Associated Labels and Packaging. This is fantastic. Well, it's the wave of the future. If you want to sustain your business in the future, you have to have a green plan. If you're ahead of the game, you're going to do well in business. Let's put it that way. Well, they are definitely ahead of the game. Speaking of doing well in business, I'm looking forward to talking to our next guest here on Lax Class. First timer on Lacrosse Classified. He is a brand new member of the New England Black Wolves, and he runs a company called the Face Off Factory. He's just getting off of practice right now. He's telling me that he had a record number of kids out and a little short staff there at the Faceoff Factory. Joe Nardella is now on the program. Joe, thanks for doing this and appreciate you making some time. You had a good turnout tonight. Yeah, great turnout. I really appreciate you guys having me, and uh, I'm excited to dive into the conversation. Well, tell me. Let's start with the Faceoff Factory, man. Let's start there. How did? How long has this been up and going? Is it uh, just you, or you got some other players that work with you? And and what's kind of your mission here to to help grow the game of lacrosse? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, we've been around now. This is year five. Um, graduated from Rutgers in 2015. Studied economics and entrepreneurship, um, and really enjoyed both coaching and doing entrepreneurial type things, ventures. Um, a couple of the projects we had worked on in school really drew my interest. So I thought, hey, why not give it a go? Um, facing off was getting increasingly more popular and there was definitely a demand for it both locally where I played um, in college. A bunch of kids had asked me to do lessons and some small group work and I saw it as an avenue to potentially get into college coaching as well. So following graduation, I actually um, coached at Harvard for the past four years and moved up to Boston, and no one else had really been doing it in New England. Um, so our goal then and now is really to just pro- provide the highest level instruction um, while keeping still that personal relationship with all your kids and help grow the game one kid at a time. And we've done a pretty good job building it out um, throughout New England. And now I have a staff of about 10, which includes six other pros, mostly field guys, actually. Nobody else is currently playing in the NLL, but we got two PLL coaches and five MLL coaches um, who pretty much work all year round doing bi-weekly, weekly, or monthly sessions in their local areas. And then we do um, several national events and we call them development days and we kind of hit different little regions throughout the U.S. for a two, three-hour clinic here and there on the weekends. And it's something that I really enjoyed getting to work with thousands of kids over the course of the past couple of years but also passing down all the lessons that I learned kind of the hard way to these kids in a much easier fashion. Well, just before we kind of get into the interview here, Joe, let uh, let the listeners know. I just gave you a follow on Twitter, but let them know how they can follow you and follow the Face Off Factory on social media. Yeah, so for me on Instagram and Twitter, it's just Jay Nards with two S's. Someone actually had um, just the one S when I made my Instagram my freshman year of college, um, but for Faceoff Factory, it's just Faceoff Factory, one word, and that's on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. We provide a ton of really good content on there, and then we also have like a, a digital coaching platform 
called FOF Online that you could check out on Instagram as well. Let's talk about uh, the NLL here for a second. Yeah. Your rookie, your rookie year. Now, as much as you are a face-off specialist, the difference, of course, in the NLL is you cannot be a FOGO. You cannot crack a lineup being a FOGO. Tell me about Absolutely the development not. of your defensive game compared to what you've had to deal with in the field game. So I actually jokingly said to one of my buddies a couple weeks ago when he was asking how, how the adjustments been, how much I've been liking it, et cetera. I was like, I honestly love it. My role is completely different in field. I'm responsible to take the draws and then maybe add some, some value in the transition game offensively. And then in indoor, it's the complete opposite. Um, I'm playing a regular shift on defense. We usually address 10 guys out the back door. So playing every other shift, taking every draw, and being one of those key guys on loose balls, both on the draw and in the defensive end. Um, and that's kind of the role and the niche that I found on my team. And being on a, like in a team with uh, an all-Canadian staff, as you guys know, there's no such thing as FOGOs. And I give a lot of credit to uh, Coach Clark and Coach Clem Diorzio, who've been kind of really showing me the ropes, teaching me, as well as all the vets on our team. And I feel like I picked it up. Um, pretty quickly. Obviously, I have my hiccups here and there, just like every player does playing defense. I mean, you're going against the best off- offensive guys in the world. You're going to get burned a couple times here and there, but um, I've been able to learn from my mistakes and kind of play within the system and communicate well, and I think those are things that's really helped me strive on defense, as well as just making conditioning and staying in shape constantly a huge priority, because to play defense, you have to be able to dictate kind of the pace of both each possession and the game. That's something we talk about. <laughs> it's hard work, man. It's dictating case. Right? That's how it works. you got to be able to physically impose yourself on those guys playing offense, and they're all in pretty good shape, too. So conditioning has been a huge part of it and a transformation in my training from uh, field to box. Yeah, well, I know, uh, you know, hearing from from Coach Clark, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't like – the term Fogo, and he's like Joe Nardella is is a really good defender who's exceptional at faceoff. So you're you're not making his team just on that skill alone, but it is something that that you are very good at, and and you went up against somebody else that's very good at it uh, just yesterday in, in Jake Weathers, um, who's I think you know uh, he's he's the best in the game at it. Uh, tell me what that matchup was like for you. So Jake and I are actually buddies. Um, we've hung out a couple of times, gotten to know each other, played against him once in college. Um, the first year the Big Ten was around. I think he was either a freshman or a sophomore that year. Um, but he's always been a competitor, played him in field. We enjoy hanging out. So he's one of the guys who actually encouraged me to play box um, when we were talking. He's like, I don't know why you haven't tried. And I really thought I'd give it a go. And going against him, he's somebody that, you know, I've watched. We got the, the app crossover that we can watch almost all the games. And on VR Live, my, myself and my teammates are watching every weekend on the road. Um, he's somebody I've tried to watch and kind of emulate his game because I feel like our skill sets are similar. Yeah. Obviously, he's much more polished in the box game. Um, but in terms of creating offense, being a really good defender, being great on loose balls, and just being kind of like a nightmare to play against, I feel like those are all the things that I'm kind of striving for. Um, so he's someone I've had my eye closely on throughout the season, and going against him was pretty fun. Uh, I definitely gave a few of them away. I think statistically he definitely got the upper hand, but I think if you were to ask him, he knows the battle was pretty close. We were neck and neck, kind of trading blows all game in a, a pretty tight contest. So it was a lot of fun, and obviously, like, He's one of those guys. You can be he's your buddy off the floor. He's the biggest 
kind of tricks to go against yeah. Donald Floyd, yeah. you know? Yeah. Right? Then makes you respect him as a competitor. And that's why he's so good, because he has that attitude. He had an amazing start to the season, went on a, you know, a big winning streak, had a slump all of a sudden. Now you're back on it. Yeah. What did it take to get out of that, that mid-season slump? I think it's just trust in the process and keep pushing. Like we, we our, The first game we lost was overtime to Georgia where we were up 10-7 in the fourth. I think all of us kind of got a little complacent and thought we were going to close that game out. Being up three was like after that 10-minute TV mark. Um, and that game was a wake-up call, and then we get kind of smacked at home against Vancouver, who's obviously been struggling and had some ups and downs this year, and we're like, damn, we're not as good as we think we are. And then we lose another tight divisional game to Philly, and we're right back to where we started almost, four and three. And I think New York was a, a good test game to get us going because they came to play. They, it's a division rivalry. Um, they wanted that win, and then we kind of just built up some steam after beating uh, – both New York and Halifax this weekend, as well as getting our win last weekend. Um, so it's really been a nice three-game stretch to kind of bounce back. But it's, it's tough, you know. And every night in this league, Coach Clark says it all the time, it's an effort-based league, which every team kind of shows up and makes all those little plays. That's what usually ends up in the result at the end. Yeah. It's all the like, accumulation of all those little plays. And you can feel it when you're on the floor, like, the first kind of quarter last night against Halifax, I don't know if you guys were able to watch, Yep. the pace just felt different, and I felt like we had a really good flow both offensively and defensively, and that's kind of what you strive for, but it only happens if you kind of create your own luck and work really hard and make those plays available. Yeah, it's interesting, Joe, that as we speak with Joe Nardella, that you actually can see that and sense that as a player because I think that takes uh, – not, not, not everybody has that skill i would say to kind of see how things are going to play out and you can definitely kind of get a feel for it early in the game and and for for guys that we have on the program for the first time and maybe we don't know a whole lot about joe uh one of the things i always kind of like to ask is especially for an american guy how did how did you find the sport of lacrosse and more importantly uh why number 91 coming from a broadcaster that's got to memorize names and numbers yeah, so starting off, I was actually um, a baseball player up until about eight years old. I was in third grade, and I played baseball, hockey, and football. And my hockey team was actually quite good for uh, being like little mites, we call it, in the U.S. And we had a season where we went like 43-1-6. and six. And obviously, when you're winning that many games and playing with a lot of your, your buddies from your town, you become close, and all those guys are playing lacrosse. And they're like, you got to play it. You'd love it because it's similar to hockey and the sense of competition, the objective scoring, teamwork. And I picked up a stick, and I've I loved it ever since, playing with my best friends, forced to play defense, actually. My first year, then worked my way up to midfield, played some goalie all the way up until about sixth grade, um, and then eventually kind of got into the draw into college. Hmm. But, yeah, that was kind of the, the start of it all. And then um, – just going back, what was your second question? Oh, why number 91? So my, my coach growing up, my hockey coach, his favorite number was number 19, and he actually passed away when I was in college. And when I came in the pros and got drafted, number 15, my college number was taken. Um, so I was like, I'm going to switch it up. And, I, you know, in college we didn't get the chance to have any numbers over 50. 
So I was like, I think I'm going for a high number. And rather than taking number 19, I just flipped it around. Um, it's kind of a tribute to, to my coach, Brian Garrett, growing up, who taught me a ton about hockey, about competing, about having the right attitude to be a winner. Um, and all those lessons kind of still stick with me today. So the numbers are really important to me. Now, you've had the chance to play in the Boston Box Lacrosse League with uh, one of our friends, Ryan Conwell. Please tell me you were able to take it to Conwell and blow past him a few times. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, and Conwell will be the first one to tell you. He, I mean, he doesn't give anything up easy. He goes right after guys. Grinder. Like me, grinder. But, but, yeah, he's a grinder. He goes right after us. Um, but his team actually gave us a couple good runs this year. I think we had a one-goal game, and then they were beating us late in the, in the, the second half. We played two halves in that league. We actually made a nice little push and ended up beating them by two or three. But I thought we were going to see them again in the finals, and they got beaten overtime of the semis, so we didn't even get to go against them again. But, yeah, there's a, a bunch of good players in that league. I'd say a, a lot of guys who are playing field looking to get into the box game. So if any uh, GMs are out there listening, trying to pick up a few sleepers, maybe you get a couple Americans from the Boston Box League. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, speaking of leagues and and uh, speaking of players, uh, I've caught in wind that you were going to spend a summer out here in British Columbia and play for, for my former club, the, the world-famous New Westminster Salmon Bellies. Uh, this is pretty exciting. Uh, you're going to make the trip across the country and, and suit up in the red, white, and blue at fabled Queen's Park Arena. Uh, what attracted you to, to do that, and why New West, and how forward are you looking to this? Yeah, so it's definitely going to be complicated schedule-wise with uh, the PLO, but we I do think we're going to have two or three. We have three or four, I think three league-wide buys, and then my team plays a doubleheader weekend. So I may have four bye weekends, which actually works out perfectly. Sometimes they have um, doubleheaders, and I really only have to play four games. Right. So I think the plan with uh, the GM is to play somewhere between six and eight games throughout the regular season and be eligible for playoffs, which are back east, a little easier for me to travel to. But um, Tony Malcolm and I, he's one of the best, I think, loose ball guys in the league. And the fact that he's not being mentioned at all for transition player of the year is a little beyond me because I think he does it all. Defense, transition offense, vacuum on loose balls. I think he had 15 loose balls against New York Friday night. But um, he's from the West, and I had just heard from a lot of my teammates the best lacrosse you could play is in the summer. It's like, they, I mean, they let a lot more go. It's real <laughs> physical. You'll yeah. learn a ton about the game. And obviously I kind of gotten the bug from playing NLL this year and how much fun the indoor game is and how physical it is and how competitive it can be. So I, I wanted more. I think it's been something that's been great on a personal level for my skill development. And if I can keep playing in the summer, no better way to sharpen the ax and continue to work on your skills in conditioning than playing in the most competitive games you can. And so Tony kind of had recruited me a little bit and right. I was interested and I had talked to the GM and they were, they were willing to make it work. And obviously new West and playing at Queens park, that's like a historic place for oh, me yeah. as an American. Like it couldn't get much better than that, you know, and the West coast of Canada, I've heard, absolutely beautiful in the summer so i think i couldn't have picked a, a better spot to both play and get to experience what the summer's like out there yeah you're gonna love it man uh wooden floor 
and uh, you're, you're never going to see another barn like it. So uh, look forward to that. I should be up in the broadcast booth uh, calling those games for for when you're uh, out here with the Sandbellies. Just so you know, uh, Justin Salt, who plays for the Vancouver Warriors, wears number 91. He usually wears number 19, but that number is retired by the Sandbellies for the late great Cliff Sepka. So you might have to bribe uh, Salty there to give up 91 somehow if uh, if you really want that number. Uh, that's a really good tip. I'm going to have to get on that early. Okay, man. And get uh, creative yeah, with it. There you know? go. Yeah. Uh, hey, I appreciate you doing this. Best of luck with the face-off factory moving forward and, and those New England Black Wolves, and we'll look forward to seeing you out here in BC in the summer. Yeah, happy to catch up. I appreciate you guys having me on and looking forward to touching base this summer uh, out west. Right on, man. That was Joe Nardella from the New England Black Wolves in – we're going to start to see this more and more, Evan. The American box lacrosse players making their way into the National Lacrosse League, and I think this is a great idea for him, guy that's you know very new to, to the NLL. Cut his teeth a little bit in the WLA as well. This is only going to serve him moving forward. Yeah, I mean, get that experience is priceless. And, I mean, you and I are both on the bandwagon. I think listeners know this by now, face-offs matter. Uh, but finding a face-off specialist that can play defense there's your there's your prize. Yeah, and that's really I think what makes Jake Withers not only the best faceoff guy, but because of his defensive prowess as well. That that just puts him at another level. And uh, Joe, not far behind Trevor Baptiste, I put in that conversation as well. Obviously, Wevin, we got to get to uh, our last break here because on the other side, who you got in quick sticks are coming up here in episode sixty nine of Lacrosse Classified. Thanks to Joe Nardella. Of the New England Black Wolves. We're back on the other side, quarter four on the Lacrosse All Stars Podcast Network. A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games, loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores! Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com slash tickets today. Hey, this is Reese Dutch from the Calgary Roughnecks. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box across. Now it's time for another round of Who You Got? Welcome back to Lax Class. No more breaks here on Lacrosse Classified. Into the fourth quarter we go, and you know what that means. Who you got is on the horizon. But before we get to who you got, I got to let you know about the Vancouver Warriors. I told you they're going to be in Saskatchewan this weekend, so we will both get a chance to see the Warriors up close and personal, but they will return home to Rogers Arena Friday, March the 13th. St. Paddy's Day presented by Alterna Brank for the Vancouver Warriors who will take on the San Diego Seals. Start your St. Patrick's Day celebration with the Vancouver Warriors as they green out Rogers Arena and welcome their West Division rivals, San Diego Seals. They're going to have a hunt for a golden coin in an in-game scavenger hunt, performances from the Drumline Band and Celtic Band, Green Cotton Candy post-game St. Patrick's Day party at the sports bar with your favorite. No, because you don't drink, Kevin. Green beer up there at the sports bar after the game as well. Maybe they have a non-alcoholic version. I don't know. 
St. Patrick's Day at the Warriors game. Make sure you check that out. Tickets start at just $19.95. Visit VancouverWarriors.com where nothing's offside, or you can get your tickets by calling 604-899-4625. Option one, talk to my man, the chat. I get to go to that March 13th game. I'm finally going to be in town for a Warriors game. I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) Well, uh, I mean, what we said earlier, crowds are getting up. That's good to see. We've got concerns about attendance at some arenas. Vancouver's no longer one of them, and that has been a long time since we've been able to see that. No doubt about it. All right, Evan, it's time for Stampede Tax. Who you got? Evan, who you got? Jake, who you got? 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 Who you got presented by Stampede Tack in Western Wear out there in Cloverdale since 1967. More than just cowboy boots and cowboy hats out there. they got CSA-approved boots as well, Evan. For any kind of weather, any kind of job site, stampede.ca. And get yourself a pair of boots from Stampede Tack in Western Wear. All right, Evan, it's week 15 as I just dropped my pen. That's okay. Big week again here in the National Lacrosse League. What do we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight games. Eight more games in week 15. Let's rock and roll, buddy. Let's do this. All right. And four. Here we go. So we're starting off with an afternoon game. Mm-hmm. New England headed to Philly. Battle for first in the East Division. Who you got? So this game is on a Saturday at 10 a.m. my time. But I'll be in Saskatoon, so that's a noon start. That's perfect because that's right when we get back from shoot-around, Evan. I'll be able to watch this game. New England at Philadelphia. I think the Wings bounce back here against the Black Wolves. Black Wolves are due for a loss. Give me the Wings. Remember the last time you said the Black Wolves were due for a loss? I don't remember don't that. In that. No. No, uh, you don't remember that. No. I, I'm going to take the Black Wolves. I just think they found their way, but I, this is one of the top games this week. I was almost ready to flip a coin, but I'm going to take the Black Wolves. Okay. Let's get on to the next one here. Georgia headed to Long Island to play the Riptide. Who you got? I'm taking the Swarm. I think they found their groove here, Evan. Riptide with a good performance there, but they still are learning how to win that team, and, and I don't think it comes this week against Georgia. Give me the Swarm. Yeah, this is pretty simple. and it's It's Georgia and... New York, I mean, they're if they get another win or two this year, they're lucky. But let's be straight here. I think that Georgia's going to want to revenge the last time they were up back in New York there. Now, I'm going to ask you this here. Now you've got your team that you get a paycheck from mm. at the Sastel Center up against the sponsor of the show, the Warriors, the Rush. Let's see. Are you going to support the sponsor of the show? <laughs> I always support the sponsor of the show, Evan. You know how much lacrosse in BC and Vancouver and the Warriors mean to me. I, I, I need and I want that team to be successful. Just not this week here against the Saskatchewan Rush, who are 1-3 at home and are some kind of PO'd. And I just I think Saskatchewan is going to assert themselves in this game. So give me the rush here to beat the Warriors. I, are you going to take the Warriors, Evan? Who the you got? 
Yeah, the fact that Saskatchewan has lost three or four home now is concerning, but I think the guys will get it in their heads that there's going to be a little more urgency to start to win at home, get the crowds going at the Saskatchewan Center. Mm. I'm taking the rush. Yeah, I just I, I mean, think as they've, confident they've, as I normally would be, no. but no, but I'm still taking the I, rush. I just think they've lacked a little killer instinct, to be quite frank. Like they've gotten up in games and then they've let teams back into games, and I just I think they need a little. You know, when they get up, they need to step down on the throat and take the wind right out of you. And and I think that message will be sent here this coming week. You know, here's another nice thing. With the timing of these games, this one will maybe miss the first 30 minutes of it. Rochester headed all the way across the continent down to San Diego. Who do you got? Yeah, well, you said it right there. All the way across the the continent down to San Diego. I think the Seals are playing much better lacrosse over the last couple of weeks. Give me San Diego. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get much made on taking the Seals as well on that one. Now, we talk about Sunday afternoon lacrosse. Well, how about Sunday afternoon lacrosse times three, and in fact, with your time zone, times four? Well, I'm going to be traveling here, here for all these, which which I'm very concerned. Oh, really? Your flight's that late? Well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Well, yeah, let's just hope you don't get stuck in the Calgary yeah, Lounge. It was again, a long but... weekend. Uh, <laughs> long weekend to travel last weekend. Okay, here we uh, anyways, go. Here we go. Buffalo headed to Halifax for the real early one. We got? I... Oof, this is a toughie, but I'm going to take Halifax in this game, Evan. This is the return matchup. Halifax has just lost two. They've been really good on their home floor. This is a weird start time, but I'm taking the Thunderbirds in this one. Yeah, I'm taking the Thunderbirds, too. I, it's not an easy pick, but no. I, I think the Thunderbirds get it going at home. They, they play well there. Then we go to Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, Calgary. Toronto Rock, who you got? Oh, man. This Alterna Cup matchup here, Evan. I might, I'm going to the coin. I don't know in this game. I just don't know. I'm going to the coin. Head is for home. Tails for the visitors. Coins 2-0 and oh so far, Evan. Here we go. Heads, I'm taking the Toronto Rock, Evan. Rock for the win. Dane Doby is absolutely on fire. And I don't know if Toronto can contain him and Curtis Dixon the way that they've contained other teams. I mean, they did it against Saskatchewan. you got to give them a lot of credit. I'm taking the rough deck, but it's not an easy deck. Okay. But we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Then Philly, second game of the weekend, headed down to Georgia for their second game of the weekend. We got yeah, Georgia's got to go from New York to Atlanta. I don't know what kind of travel. I'm, not, I'm assuming it's not. Direct the, flight from JFK. It's not that. JFK's okay. not far away from that. So, and Philly's got to go from Philadelphia to Atlanta. So, no. Direct flight. Yeah, nothing ventured, nothing game there. They will have a little extra rest as they play early in the day. But I think i got to take Georgia at home here. Georgia at home. Give me the swarm to go 2-0 and this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to take the Swarm there, too. Uh, once again, not an easy pick, but I'll just trust the Swarm maybe a little more than I do with the Wings yet. And then the nightcap, Rochester, their second game of their Western swing here in the Loud House in Denver. We got? 
Yeah, this is uh, Rochester going from San Diego on Saturday to Colorado on Sunday, which I guess is kind of good because they get two road games. About an hour fifteen flight. Yeah, they get two and they get two road games out of the way and stay relatively in the in the same time. I think it's good for Rochester more than anything. Uh, But I'm still I'm taking I'm taking Denver, uh, Colorado. I. That was a good win. Second time you called him Denver. I don't know why I'm doing that. I don't know why I'm doing that. Um, But anyways, I'm taking Denver, Colorado, Evan. uh, Dylan Ward against the Nighthawks at home. They look good against Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia is a better team than Rochester. They beat them, so give me the mammoth. If I'm wrong, Teddy Jenner's calling both of those games. Yeah, Rochester. he's making the trip with with Rochester. I don't know what's going on with uh, Schaefer or not, but uh, he and our boy Brad Schellner are going to call a game later in the month as well. No, I'm going to take the Mammoth as well. Pretty simple pick. So two differentiating picks out of the six again. Once again, again. yes. Uh, both taking the Wings to beat the Black Wolves. Both taking the Swarm to beat the Riptide. Both no, take... we're not both taking the Wings to take beat the Black Wolves. Oh, excuse Wolves. me. I, I saw the two Ws. <laughs> I am just brutal right now. Okay, I got the Wings. You got the Wolves. We both got the Swarm. We both got the Rush. We both got the Seals. We both got the Thunderbirds. You are taking Calgary. The coin and myself are taking the rock. We both got the swarm to beat the wings and Colorado to beat Rochester. Expecting to go 8-0 and this week and uh, win week 15 is yours truly. For Stampede Tax, who ya got? Uh, that was a lot of games. I am loving this eight-game pack uh, week after week here, Evan. This is, this is awesome. Yeah, but it's also tiring to try and watch. All well, sure, now. but I mean, if that's the worst thing, coherently about them. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Like I'm, if that's you know, I'm willing to persevere. All right, uh, that was Stampy Tax. Who you have? You know what comes next, Evan? We got to finish off the podcast with Quick Sticks. Uh, quick Sticks is not brought to you by anybody. We could use a sponsor for Quick Sticks if you're interested. Reach out to myself or Evan, and uh, we can talk some turkey. Maybe get you on the podcast uh, as a sponsor. But Quick Sticks, we got uh, a number of them here, Evan. Uh, I saw this news early or late last week, I suppose. The Senior B team over there in Victoria uh, have been swooped up by the Shamrocks. So now they have continuity between their A team, their Senior B, and their Senior A team. This is a real smart move here by the Shamrocks organization. Oh, 100% it's a smart move. Now you can start to develop some guys in senior B that will eventually make their way up. Um, you know, now with the WLA allowing you to at least protect a local player, if you can develop one, it, you know, it only makes sense to have everything under one umbrella. Um, I was in Saskatoon over the weekend. I, I tried to pry it out of coach Keenan, where the nickname jammer came from. He would not tell me, Evan, he would not, divulge that information so we need to keep digging on this and find out exactly where this nickname came from but i wanted to give the fans an update i said i would so i did nothing new to report uh we talked about referee abuse we can skip past that congratulations to kyle rubish and his lovely wife as uh it was announced uh during morning practice that baby rubish is on the way well, just make sure that he's a lefty and he can score, right? There you go. Uh, and congratulations <laughs> to Marty Dinsdale as well, who welcomed uh, a new baby into the world just after we recorded last week as well. 
What else do we got here? I saw a tweet come out from the Whitby Warriors minor lacrosse uh, account on Twitter saying that their minor numbers are are very low and that they will not have a second team at any division unless the numbers increase. And this is a a hotbed of a lacrosse market here, Evan. This is a little concerning to me. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, though. This is for field lacrosse, is it not? No, I believe this is for box lacrosse. I mean, they have Yikes. they have a I mean, team at every level, but they don't have an A2 team, which right. a, a, an, a, an organization like Whitby Uh-oh. should have. And we just went through this with the uh, the OLH, you know, Junior 8 division. With, with, uh, I can't remember who it was uh, folded there a couple months ago right. with having problems getting numbers. Yeah. So this isn't exclusive to Whitby. No, so a little concerning there. So if you if you got a kid out there in the the Whitby area, then you've been on the fence on whether you want to have your kid in lacrosse or not. Sign him up because uh, numbers are low there, and that's that's concerning to me. BC High School Lacrosse.ca, Evan. BC High School Lacrosse.ca. Tomorrow at 5:45 p.m. Pacific time from Ted Fridge Field at Town Center. The BC High School All-Star Game will take place. It'll be broadcast on Sports Canada TV, brought to you by yours truly. I'll be up in the tower there in between uh, Cunnings and Ted Fridge Field to call the action for this one on Sports Canada TV. The best high schoolers in the province uh, will be on display tomorrow, or today actually, as it'll be, this is going to come out on Tuesday. The game is taking place on Tuesday, 5.45 p.m., Sports Canada TV or BC High School Lacrosse.ca if you want to watch that. And I highly encourage you to do so. You're going to find some gems, especially if you're a college coach or a recruiter. Watch that game. A lot of chatter this weekend, Evan, about the IL Indoor Midseason Awards. Uh, and in particular, not a lot of rush representation on those awards, Evan. And this is why I don't like mid-season awards because the rush had only played what eight games the rest of the league had played 10 or 12 and it's not a fair vote but the thing about it is too is that the rush have been so dominant for so many years and the expectation is so high going into any season that this is where they have a difficulty winning some of these league awards because it's often given to the player of the team that either improved the most or meant the most as an individual to their team effort, whereas the rush is almost always a team effort to begin with. That's true. I, I'm not going to get worked up over it. I just heard a lot of chatter from, from fans and players. and So I, I thought it was worth mentioning. I just, again, not a fan of mid-season awards. There's it's just not a big enough sample size to – Speaking of a sample size here, uh, something I I got turned on to a video by my man Dave Hollows back there in the UK. Uh, he he likes to dig up crazy things on YouTube, and he sent me a, a link to the 1978 World Field Lacrosse Games. And I thought to myself, like I'm watching these guys run around in short shorts and high socks, and you know these crazy high wall sticks and wooden shafts and. And I think to myself, like, these are the best lacrosse players in the world in 1978. But if you gave them today's equipment and today's training regiments and and technology, 
How would those guys stack up to the best players in the world here in 2019? Or flip it the other way, Evan, and, and you took guys from, say, 2018 and plopped them down in 2002 with all that gear and not knowing what they know about nutrition and fitness and all, and how would they do? So, like, I, I just have a hard time comparing eras because the game – itself has changed so much the equipment has changed so much and the the knowledge of what to eat and how to train has changed so much it's almost impossible to compare eras i'll go into a story here real quickly and i was in peterborough this was a year and a half ago this is when casey's funeral is taking place and we were having this discussion as to is grant senior or grant jr the better player mm. and eventually Pete's dad said something that made a lot of sense. He said, how can you possibly compare it? Different equipment, different styles of play. One played both sides. The other one didn't play both sides. Yeah. That's a big one. Defense are totally different, right? The size of the defenders is different. How can you possibly try and compare? Why can't you just appreciate both, right? And that made a lot of sense. And that's, that's the thing is if you put, today's those guys from the 70s into today's game well how would they have to change their game now that defenders are 220 not 170 yeah well they probably wouldn't be 170 either though right like humans are just bigger now but i just wonder like if you gave john grant or senior a a stick from today and the big nets like (laughs) i like i guarantee you junes would say that his dad was the better player I, I know he would, but I just thought I was just, you know, watching that and thinking to myself, like, how would Gary Gate play in 1978 with that kind of gear or or whatever? I, I don't know. I just kind of went down a rabbit hole. So I wanted to mention that. And the other the last thing I want to mention here, and, and I was really disappointed not to see Dan Dawson get in the lineup for the Rock because he was on a couple on the cusp of breaking a couple of big milestones of Colin Doyle and Josh Anderson for points and goals. But um it's unfortunate for us because we record here on a Monday and, and the milestone email from the, the past week comes out on the Tuesday. So we almost have to wait a full week to get the update. You know what I'm saying here? The updated milestone. So we don't really get to give you the most recent information. It's kind of a week old. But the, it, when we looked at the last week's, uh, what was there? There's like 60 different milestones the league had sent out. And I looked at this list and I'm like, I only care about seven of these. And most of them were career accomplishments. You know, they were yeah, I mean, Brandon the, Benesch, could again, leapfrog another guy. Or, the 100 or, and the or 200 mark. and Like, we want to focus on all-time greatness. Not so much guys three, four years into their league hitting hitting milestones. We want, we're talking or, all-time. Or there's, a, there's the funny one with Sean Evans being two penalty minutes away from fourth all-time. Yeah. Well, just imagine. <laughs> you don't expect that with a forward, no, right? No, and that, and we, we were talking like, just imagine what the numbers for Evie would be had he not spent all that time in the penalty box. Like that's more opportunity for him to be on the floor, getting assists, and getting goals. So it was something like he spent six percent of his total time now on in the penalty box, and then six percent includes his time sitting on the bench. Yeah, like he'd be right with. Him. He'd probably be real close to Tavares if he had stayed on the penalty box. Anyways, probably a discussion for another time. Uh, Speaking of time, we took a lot of yours here today. We appreciate you 
listening to Lacrosse Classified from start to finish. We appreciate Westberg and Joe Nardella for coming on the program. And we appreciate the most our sponsors that sponsor the program in Stampede Tack, the Vancouver Warriors, Associated Labels and Packaging, and G. Wilson Construction. But I lied, Evan. The people that we value the very most are the loyal listeners here of Lacrosse Classified. Uh, we wouldn't have sponsors if we didn't have listeners. We wouldn't have listeners if we didn't have sponsors. So it's a happy marriage here on Lacrosse Classified. We appreciate you tuning in every single Tuesday via the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Don't forget, sign up for who you got every single week, win prizes, and be eligible for that grand prize, Blundstone grand prize of over 300 bucks. At year's end for the overall winner. Uh, I forgot. Good to see Gary Groob out there. The Gruber out there in Saskatoon over the weekend. I wanted to get that in as well. Um, never had a chance to meet Gary in person. So got to get that in there. But now we got to go. Don't forget to follow us on social media as well. I keep lying, Evan. At Shemwax, at PXB for sports. The show was at Lax Class, at Lacrosse Classified on Instagram. We got a Facebook page as well. Subscribe to the podcast. It gets delivered to your phone every single week. That's the way to do it. All right, now we're done. For Evan Sheminar, I've been Jake Elliott, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, enjoy the games, everybody.